0: spring, spring of 2018, Camille and I uh, fostered uh, DeMarco I, I guess technically it wasn't foster care because he was 18 and was aging out of the aging out of the system uh, he, was a, he was 18 uh, years old and was in, er, entering this program called like uh, semi-independent living and he just needed a family to stay with uh, for a, you know a, a, some time to kind of get some uh, life skills and, before he transitioned into the, uh, the adult world. He was a super sweet kid a lot of you got to meet him uh, but in many ways, he was like an eight-year-old boy in like a six-foot-two black man's body uh, because on some levels, you know, you had to interact with him like he was 18. and some levels, you had to interact with him like he was like he was eight. Uh, but in, in a lot of ways, he was so sweet because he was just like this earnest little boy that, that just desperately wanted a, a family and a dad and stuff like that. His, his mom, uh, because of drugs and whatnot, wasn't able uh, to care for him. He was kind of like pseudo-raised by his sisters, but... Uh, uh, not, not really cared for until he was like, I don't know, 11, and then he got transferred to his dad in a, di- in a different state, like down in uh, Cincinnati. And his dad was was uh, also into drugs, and uh, he got exposed to all kinds of crazy stuff there. And then he was moved to like a, a, an adult cousin's house, who like really like favored his sister and and kind of uh, verbally abused him and and whatnot. And then and then at 13 he entered like a facility like a like a group facility not not like a group home like a group facility uh until he was 18 so for for five the the five years before we got him uh that 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 he hadn't been in a home he'd been in like you know eagle village type type of place or something like that and uh one one of the big things that was working against him was that he couldn't read it was super sad we uh the first week we like played the game of life uh which i'm becoming more and more morally opposed to because it's all about getting money but uh it was like r- this really like staggering moment where like little basic things like he you know he couldn't read and we'd have him sound it out and he like couldn't even sound sound things out and it was this like really big wake-up call to me is that like no one learns to read without someone really or someone or multiple people patiently teaching them you know like it's it's not reading is like this thing that's like slow over time, reading the same dumb little cardboard books that we read to our kids and then letting them sound out the same words, you know, over time. Uh, I tried to have him mow the lawn, uh, which was a huge disaster. Uh, and and, and that, that's when I, it, it's, like, it's, it's kind of this epiphany that I had with him is the incredible uh, need that we have uh, for relationships just to be like a functioning human in, in the world. Like, you know, he always had food. You know he'd grown big and strong uh, all that stuff like he had his needs met but like his relational tank was like pretty much empty because of his family because of the the, the group home that he was in where like needs were met but there wasn't that like relational kind of connection um, there's just you know there's just no no way in, in a lot in a lot of sense to uh, to, to learn these skills, learn adult skills. Like when I was teaching him to mow the lawn, I, I was terrible at it because when I was eight, my dad like patiently taught me how to do it and let me try and showed me what I did wrong and let me keep trying slash made me do it. And you know, and then like bought me a lawnmower so I could start a business and stuff. It was just like, I, I don't even think about mowing the lawn because I, that's, that's, that's what my dad did. And this is for free, is that fathers, one of your main roles in your kids' lives is to give your kids confidence to try stuff. That was just like such a powerful lesson I learned from DeMarco uh, is that invite your kids to try things, give them space to mess up and ruin your lawn or you know whatever uh, because that they, will, they will draw confidence from you that they'll take with them for the rest of their life or they'll draw insecurity and dependence for the rest of their life. But today we continue our teaching series on how to become like Jesus where we're looking at uh, the, the actual ways that the Bible tells us that we become like Jesus. Like real, normal human beings, according to scripture, can undergo this incredible transformation to become formed into the image of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible thing, and sometimes we like just blink at it or put it on a coffee mug, but this is the point of being a Christian. This is the whole point of the church, is to build uh, people up into the fullness uh, of the image of Jesus. Uh, it's the way we worship one of the main ways we worship is ascribing value to God by becoming like Jesus. It's the way we experience joy. It's the way God gets glory. He takes these, these sinful, broken, messed up people that are destroying everything and then transforms them into his son. And the question uh, that we're looking at is how? Because uh, most evangelical churches are going to say, like, yeah, we want to become like Jesus, but very few churches have a clear plan. Uh, so this whole fall we've been unpacking uh, this kind of paradigm, this uh, chart that's in your bulletin uh, on the, uh, the next page on how we become like Jesus, and the four elements uh, that you see there in that chart with the triangle uh, is teaching, practice, community, and Holy Spirit. Um, first there's uh, teaching, which is primarily scripture. Uh, reading it, studying it, having it taught like this, listening to podcasts, reading books, theology, all that stuff. They're just like the information. Uh, there's practice, uh, which are the things we actually do with our bodies that over time make us more and more uh, a, a type of person, that shape our hearts and minds. Uh, and the practices specifically are, are things uh, mostly that we see in the lifestyle of Jesus. So we want to have the life of Jesus. We have to take on the lifestyle of Jesus. We don't try to become like Jesus and then live like every other, you know, middle-class American uh, out there. Uh, And then there's community, uh, which is a group of other Jesus followers committed together in a local church uh, who are considering, this is what Zach talked about last week, considering us deeply and seeking to spur us on to love and good deeds and spending time together. And then all three of these things around the triangle are held together and empowered, Uh, by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is actively involved in all three of these elements, and in many ways, these three elements are just ways that we make ourselves available to the Spirit to do this transforming work. Today we're talking about community, uh, the community portion of transformations that kind of kicked off that part of our series yesterday. And in this passage that Ben just read, uh, Paul gives us this metaphor that I want us to have in our minds uh, as, as we go through the text of an infant growing up and I, I talked about DeMarco because I think you could take this uh, transformation paradigm that we have this triangle chart and like put it on just like normal human life and development and see like if there's a stuntedness somewhere in someone's life you could probably dial it in to one of one of the the things on this chart you can think of, like, the spirit gives life, you know, spiritually. You can say, like, when someone's born, they have life, like, they're alive, like, their bodies want and, and uh, want to grow. Uh, but what is required for just a living infant to grow up into a, a mature adult? And you can just think through, like, what kids need. Like, ask any parent, and there's, like, relentless, r- repetitive teaching to just, like, what is real and what is true and what is good and what is bad, And there's lots and lots of practices, letting kids experiment and try different things. I had to constantly hold myself back when, like, Johnny's playing with something and he's not, like, playing with it right or something to just, like, you know, let him do it. Like, you want to put that, like, lamp cord through the, you know, dump truck toy, like, that's fine. You know, just, like, let, let kids play and experiment and practice holding different things and doing different things and... You know, or if kids are older, then there's like flashcards where you, you practice the teaching of the multiplication tables like over and over and over again or, like I said, the practice of mowing the lawn every week. And all these things are done in the community of uh, hopefully a loving family, mother, father, other siblings, Then even more hopefully in a broader community of a church family or friends or teachers, grandparents, neighbors that are all kind of em- emphasizing these different different elements to help someone up, and you see that in DeMarco's life, where a lot, like a huge element of community was was missing, and and all these different things. I like talked about reading and mowing the lawn, but there's so much like in, in how to communicate and how uh, how to process emotions and all these things that just like just weren't there that had just kind of been stunted. Things that you just don't get by having like a paid staff at a facility like make sure you're alive, you know. And I'm, I'm not saying they're bad or they didn't do a good job. It just they're, they're limited because they're not Uh, because they're not not family or taking that role. So just on a natural level, a human cannot become mature without deep relational connection. People who deeply love that person uh, and spend time and are patient and uh, show them grace. And in the same way, Paul is showing us that we cannot become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ apart from a community of God's people, period. It just... According to scripture, there's no such thing as Jesus and me Christianity. In many ways, that's like the classic example of a little kid saying, like, I want to do it by myself. And it's like, well, you can't, you know, drive to grandma's house, Johnny, because you're too. You know, it's like you can say you do it by yourself, but it's it kind of shows that you don't really understand how things work. When we become a Christian, the Bible says we're born again. We have this new life. Uh, in the Spirit, um, and this is a great, beautiful, humbling thing: is that while we are alive, while we are made alive by the Spirit, every single Christian starts out as a baby spiritually. Like nobody like swaggers in to uh, the new life with God in the Spirit as some kind of you know like advanced PhD Christian. No one's born as a teenage, born again as a teenager. We all, as ba- just as babies, need a community around them to help them survive and grow we need community. So let's dive into our sermon text, Ephesians 4. Turn there if you haven't got there yet. Starting in verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. My first point is that <clears throat> community is Jesus' idea. You see that there in verse 11, it was he, Jesus, uh, who gave some people, and he lists these certain uh, kind of offices or, or functions of people in, in a church, uh, for the building up of the body to train the saints. This is really amazing. We have to see this is that Jesus is the one who gives us community. And Jesus said he would give us a helper who would lead us and guide us into all truth. And while uh, the spirit does speak and work to work in us individually, one of the primary ways that the spirit is going to build us up or lead us into truth is through God's people, through the spirit working in the giftings of other other saints in a church community. We have to see that this is Jesus's idea that as Jesus loved you enough to die for you, the gifts keep coming and they come in the form of other like flesh and blood real life normal humans uh, in in your church in your church community and there's lots of debate about what these um, four slash five offices are they offices are they functions all this all this different debate we don't have time to go into them uh, today. I got stuck in a rabbit hole studying that uh, this week and it just wasn't helpful. Um, because look at what the point of them is. Look at verse 13. He gave us these these offices uh, to uh, to prepare us and equip us. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So whatever view you might hold of these gifts or offices or functions, uh, whatever the question is, the, the whatever your view is the question is are you becoming more mature are you becoming more like jesus and the full in the fullness of that i love how the wholeness and the fullness and the full stature uh, because we can sometimes like pick and choose the parts of jesus that we like and that come naturally to us and say like i'm just jamming on that because uh, you know maybe you're naturally kind of like self-deprecating or, or helpful or something like that. And so you're like, yeah, I'm like Jesus. And then we neglect the truth side of it. Or maybe you're more of a heady kind of argumentative type. And you're like, well, look at Jesus doing all this stuff with the Pharisees. and uh, But the, the big test is, do I see more of the fruit of the Spirit? Like, am I am I more humble, more kind, more loving? I think this is a, this is the big test that blows up a lot of the most heated arguments. There's a pastor that I, that I dearly love and know who kind of had this big awakening three years into ministry at this church because they were, like, learning tons and tons of doctrine and scripture, and he just had this, like, terrible moment where he's like, I don't think we're becoming more kind. I think we have, like, the knowledge that puffs up and makes us mad at everybody else that doesn't know as much or agree with us. The idea for Jesus' community is that the gifts... Uh, that he gave to the church uh, is for actual people (laughs) to become like Christ, where we have like a supernatural kindness to people, supernatural kindness and love for people who disagree with us or even our enemies. And this blows up, uh, you know, anyone who would use gifts to be the show, you know, to put on a show or draw attention, you know, like that's jesus never did that like he was humble and he used gifts and signs and wonders very humbly to love people not to put on a show and this would blow up any kind of curmudgeonly person who like just uses the bible to squash anybody's idea or fun look how it works verse 12 so we have these four slash five offices and they are to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The leadership gifts are not meant to do everything for the community, but have been given by Jesus to equip the community or prepare the community so that God's people are ready to do the ministry. Does that make sense? What is uh, what, what is the role of leaders? It's not to do everything for the church or the the gathering of of saints but to equip them the, the most obvious example of this is is parents like parents if you're doing everything for your kid uh for forever like they will be stunted they will not grow into the fullness of a mature human instead your job is to do things to the point where they they are equipped to to live life themselves and what are what are the work of ministry so if the leaders are meant to uh prepare the the saints prepare god's people for the work of ministry, what is it? The works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. The work of ministry is to build up the body of Christ. This is Jesus' idea. He's, he said, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the Spirit, and the Spirit's gonna give gifts to real human people uh, that will then equip the saints, that will then build build up the body equip the saints to build up the body. We will be born again. We'll have the spiritual life in, inside, of, inside of us, but we're babies. It, but Jesus doesn't leave us as like helpless babies on our own. He, he gives us this community of people uh, who are gifted supernaturally to equip you to be built up in Christ. People who will spiritually help you uh, learn to read and how to eat and how to feed yourself and how to clean up and how to get along with other people. All these different functions that we that we would see and naturally be excited to teach our kids to do like we need that in a spiritual sense and i think one of the reasons why the church in the united states is so uh so struggling is because this text has been neglected because uh, we you know we we kind of have this like uh, professional professional christian uh, mentality where we're just going to pay leaders not to equip us but to just like do it all for us and put you know put on a show or or whatever, but spoon-feed us. So instead of having saints who are equipped to build up the body, we have churches full of spiritual babies who are just selfish and making messes and not sharing their toys and needing to be spoon-fed all the time. This brings me to, to the second point. Community is how we stop being babies. Look at verse 14. Paul says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. This is a fascinating text because we see Paul's view of the Christian, of an individual Christian is incredibly nuanced here because he says we'll, we'll no longer be infants if this happens, if the saints are equipped to build up the church. Flip back one page or maybe it's on the same page to uh, Ephesians 2 verses 4 so that what paul just said about us being infants is the counterbalance to what we're about to read in ephesians 2 verse 4 but because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy made us alive with christ even when we were dead in our transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and god raised us up with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in christ jesus so you see, Paul's nuance is that we are alive. We have been made alive with Christ, uh, and we are seated with God in the heavenly places. Like That's our status. That's our identity. That means we are at the table with God by grace alone. Our good, good Father wants us with him. We are alive. We are his beloved children. Uh, but we are infants. And what's staggering here is Paul's humility and using the third... or. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to get my grammar right. He says we. <laughs> he says we. He says then we will no longer be no longer be infants. So Paul as a like un- indisputable capital A apostle of Jesus Christ is identifying himself as needing to grow. And when you look through scripture in Paul's story, you see that. Like he had this like knock you off Your horse kind of experience with the resurrected Messiah, and he's still like going around in humility and taking time to learn from other people and all these different things. So, if the Apostle Paul is a a toddler, then you like we're probably like two days old or something like that. Like Paul is is demonstrating for us like the the humility that it that it takes to actually grow is that we have to understand that we're babies and that we need help to grow. But what does it mean to be a spiritual baby? Paul gives us some helpful pictures that are straight out of parenting if you uh, have an infant or have lived through that stage of life or, you know, whatever, have been around any any infant. The first thing is uh, being tossed back and forth by the waves. Infants, I have three things, three ways that we can be spiritual infants. The first one is that we're unsteady. A baby learning to walk is hilarious and precious because they're unsteady. You know, they like sneeze and fall, fall over or, or whatever. They can't, you know, withstand much, action or pushback or, you know, a huge black dog running past them or something like that. They crumple because they're unsteady on their feet. They can't They can't take much suffering or challenges or whatever. And so what do parents need to do? They need to, like, pick them up and explain what happened and hold their hand and all, all those different things. But if we're not actively uh, actively working, then we'll continue to be unsteady. We'll continue to get knocked on our face and start crying and flopping on the floor every time something something uh, slightly uh, shakes us up. And, the, and steadiness also kind of you could see in a baby uh, gets to an attention level. Babies can't steadily focus on anything for very long. Like if Johnny is actually playing with a toy quietly for 10 minutes, one, that's a huge win. And two, it probably just means that he's like working on a diaper, if you know what I mean. Like he just had to go away and like have some time. Uh, but we're stoked about a 10 minute like attention span. The babies are always like what? You know what is what's Johnny's phrase? What's this? What's this? What's that? You know, like it's, that. That's what that's what babies are because they're cause they're young. They're drawn to whatever is stimulating or, or or flashy or light or you know shiny. Spiritually, that for spiritual babyhood, that looks like not being able really to stick with a teaching or a practice or a spiritual discipline. You know, we like read our Bible like twice, and we're like, I didn't get anything out of it. You know, we just fall fall off, or you know, we go to we go to connecting group, and it's a little awkward, and we're just like, ah, you know, it's uh, I I have a long week, I need to watch Netflix or or whatever. A mark of maturity is patiently uh, patiently pursuing God. Long obedience in the same direction. Endurance is one of the biggest, uh, biggest characteristics that we see of a Jesus follower growing in maturity. So we need community around us, saying like, "Hey, maybe, maybe open up the Bible a, a couple more times. You know, give it, a, give it another shot. You need to stick with it. You need to keep trying." The next thing is we say that spiritual babies are not discerning. Look at the next part blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Babies are not uh, really good at deciding like what's gross and what's like actually good food. Like Johnny, we have to watch him because Johnny will go into the bathroom and go bye-bye poop and then stick his hands in the bowl, you know, like he he doesn't understand that the toilet is gross. They're not able to discern like this is food and this is chemicals or like this is food and this is a leaf, you know, they're because they're, they're babies, They've put anything into their mouths. Spiritual babies are that way too, because uh, they they don't have the discernment. They they can't tell good biblical teaching from toilet teaching, unless you know your way around the Bible or have some of that teaching. That's why we need shepherds and teachers, pastors and teachers who are further along and can walk less mature people through what what the Bible says and what is good uh, biblical teaching. What are and not just give it, you know, like yes, give and teach good biblical doctrine, but also equip. Uh, the saints to understand, like, what, what are what's the rubric? Like, what are the tests when I'm hearing some kind of spiritual teaching? How do I know uh, what's good and, and what's a leaf? And I just want, want to say, because some of us are wired to such a, a way as, like, that's why I don't trust anybody but myself, you know? Like, that's why I need me and my Bible, because, you know, there's deceitful schemers out there or whatever. But this implicitly Im- is, is saying that, like, you have to trust someone else. like You have to trust someone further along uh, to to grow in discernment. You cannot, by definition, grow in discernment by yourself. And the last thing is that babies are incredibly self-centered. In verse 2 of chapter 4, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Babies just typically want what they want, right? Like they, uh, they, they're they not humble at all. Uh, they, they, they're so proud of themselves for anything. It's not like Ruby wakes up at two and is like, uh, I'm awake, but mom's real tired, so I'll just wait till, you know, five to, to get some food. No, they just immediately start, start crying and then they get older and they're a little more verbal, you can have all these moments, like, hey, you gotta share your toys, or like you can't just grab somebody else's food off their plate. You have to teach them and train them to know that there are other human beings with other desires that are just as important as theirs, that their desires don't rule the the world. And spiritual babies are just as self-centered. Kind of grabbing for whatever they want or like always getting offended or feeling like everything's unfair how are people thinking of me or looking at me? Spiritual babies can't take criticism, can't admit when they're wrong, because spiritual babies are absor- absorbed with themselves. This is why we need a community to lovingly say, you and your desires are not the center of the universe. And I hope you can see how simple, but also really profound Paul's metaphor here is just like a baby is unsteady and undiscerning and selfish and so are spiritual babies, and it's through relationships, through a loving, gracious, unconditional loving relationship with someone more mature that we grow out of spiritual babyhood. And remember, Paul is saying we. Paul's acknowledging that that he was a baby, and in some places of his life, still needs people to help him grow into maturity. And so don't read this with angst, thinking, "Oh man, I gotta, I gotta grow myself up. Like I can't, I'm." I could be a spiritual baby or, or I don't know, maybe you're offended that we're talking about spiritual babyhood and you're like, I'm not a spiritual baby. But I believe the invitation here is to take like, I don't know, the, the dress up doctor clothes that that you might have of pretending to be like a grown up and just experience the, the freedom of saying like, yeah, I have, I'm immature I, Yeah, I need people to help me grow. I'm not there yet. We start with the assumption that we're infants, we're beloved infants, and that God loves us desperately enough to die for us, and that we need people to help us grow into maturity. To point out where we're unsteady, where we're undiscerning, where we're being selfish. And This is one of the most powerful ways that we actually like live like grace is real, like live like we are loved in Christ by what he's done, by grace alone through faith. Uh, because only if we have like taken on that identity as beloved children can we actually consider ways that I'm being selfish or ways that I'm foolish. This brings us to our last point. Community is a practice. Community is both a standalone element of our little paradigm that we're preaching through, the triangle uh, transformation chart, but it, uh, it's also a practice, uh, something that we do, Uh, to become like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. The community of God's people is both something that we, like, are, like, is our identity, uh, but it's also something that we do. And the the most obvious example is is, is a family. Like, a family is both, like, your identity, like, you get identity from, like, who you are, but then it's also, like, you have to participate in it. Like, if a baby is adopted into a family, uh, like, the the fact or the identity is like, hey, that, that, that baby, that child still, like, objectively belongs to that family, But if that child then refuses to have anything to do with the family, to like play, you know, enjoy in game night or do the chores or go on trips or read books with mom and dad, then he's not going to grow. He'll literally be stunted or retarded. So there's an element where like, if you're a Christian, then you're in the family of God uh, just by fact. But then there's an element that you need to practice community to step in and participate. Look at verse 15. Instead, Okay, stop there. Paul is contrasting an alternative, a way out from spiritual babyhood. He just got done describing this kind of scary verse about (coughs) being spiritual babies, tossed to and fro, blown around by teaching and cunning craftiness and all that stuff. And he says, instead what? Instead of being babies, what should we do? Speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him, who is the head, that is, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. And verse 16 says, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting limit, it grow- ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. So the two things that we see there is speaking the truth in love, and that in Christ we each do our part. This gives us insight into how we practice community, how community is an un- unmovable Completely crucial part of becoming like Jesus. Speaking the truth in love within the community of Jesus followers is the is the alternative that Paul gives us here to being spiritual babies. And the depth and nuance of this phrase, uh, "truth and love," speaking the truth in love, is just like constantly blows me up. Uh, once, when I was like four, maybe, uh, I went to my grandma, who was a larger lady, and said, "Grandma, you sure do have a lot of skin." And she's like I, I know I'm fat Josh I'm, I'm working on it and I'm like oh no grandma it's not nice to call people fat but you sure do have a lot of skin <laughs> uh, that, that, would be, that would be an example of just probably not doing it right Like, and, and you see the spiritual or the, the literal babyhood the literal immaturity there of just like not quite sure I like, you know, probably just didn't need to say anything at all it's not my job as a four year old but maybe more uh, tangibly early on in my ministry c- career this won't be a shock to any of you who know me I would get in trouble uh, a lot for saying things that i had like direct scripture supporting and i was just like why are we even having this conversation like this the verses the verses right here i don't understand i don't understand the issue because i was more of a spiritual baby then and because you know how i'm wired and god helped me the podcast i was probably listening to at the time i didn't it didn't come from a place of gentleness or or love And if it was, I wasn't expressing it in very various ways. So like one of the truth and love comments that I got from the guy, a lead pastor I was working with, was like, bro, your face always looks angry. Like, you need to, like, work on your presence. Like, even if you're saying something kind, you just still look like you want to smack people, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, like, is that a spiritual thing? Like, you know, what I do with my eyebrows or whatever? And You know, the classic example is when I got my passport photo, I thought I was smiling like a goof. And then I got it back, and I just, like, look like I'm sitting there or, or whatever. But, like, that was, the, that was the truth that was said in love to me that I needed to hear to, to grow out of babyhood. They're walking around scowling at people and dropping verses on them. Jesus, of course, is where we see truth and love. Not only did he speak everything in truth and love, he is truth and he is love. When he's patiently chatting with a promiscuous woman at the well, when he's telling the rich young ruler to sell everything and give it to the poor and follow him, when he's when he's telling the Pharisees that they're children of the devil, like, all of these things that Jesus said are perfectly truth and love. Which is why we have to be deeply immersed in the Gospels and how Jesus talks and the questions he asks and what he says and who he says it to and all that stuff. It's a primary way of speaking the truth in love. Paul goes on to say in verse 16, "...from him, Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament." grows up and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He gives us another picture here. He's kind of transitioning out of like a baby becoming an adult into like the idea of a body becoming mature, which is super fascinating. We had more time. We talk about it, how like when we're immature, we're infants, plural. When we grow into maturity, we're one body, uh, singular. As As we get mature, we're more unified in the body and just just like our human bodies for it to grow and be healthy you need every part if you know the hands are busy making food but like the mouth won't eat the food then you know you're not you're not going to grow community is a practice because the bible teaches is that if you're a christian you've been born again then you have work to do in the church in the gathering of god's people and the bible talks about a lot of different ways that we do the work of being in the church together But in the context of Paul's words here, each part does its work. He's talking about speaking the truth in love. Like there's not just some people who are speakers of truth in love. Like this is what we are all called to do as we desire to get out of spiritual babyhood and desire the people around us to get out of spiritual babyhood. (laughs) He's saying that Every single Christian in a church family has truth and love that must be spoken regularly in the gathering of God's people. There's no other work that Paul is talking about here. there's no other like commands this is this is the work we're like, oh well, that work means that I uh, you know vacuum or whatever like that's 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 my work of building up the body and that might be true, uh, but that doesn't get you out of the necessity of speak the truth and love. Paul says it like this in First Corinthians. He says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Paul's uh, envisioning of a gathering of church of Christians, of Jesus followers, is that everybody brings something to the table because everybody has, the, if you've been made alive, you have the spirit, and that we need the whole body contributing. Well, uh... I prayed a lot about this part of the sermon. Honestly, the sermon is super hard to write uh, because personally, um, and this is like a disclaimer. I'm going to give you permission to like throw the whole next part out. Uh, is I, I am just so, so weary and discouraged of like, how silent our church is. Not just like in the gatherings, but just in general. Like, we are a quiet bunch. And I'm sure a big part of it is my leadership um you know i think part of it is probably our personalities uh i think a part of it is the huge stronghold that fear has uh in our church historically uh, and presently i think and so I, i really don't want like my own pain or my insecurities to make this like more intense than it needs to be but church i believe we have to grow in speaking the truth in love like it is a matter of life and death and by truth and love i don't mean like huge profound spiritual mysteries that we've all been wrestling with for for ages but at the most basic level of communication to people that we are called or, or claim claim to love like one, one of the things that we we did with the deacons that was a huge blessing to me was we made we made a mandatory email response rule like i was just like calling and texting and emailing like into the void i was like hello you know and and so was, even if it was like, got it, thanks, or thanks for sharing, I'll process it, or you know, like it, it didn't have to be like long, or just to like, is anyone out there, uh, kind of thing. We have to speak up as a church, like you speaking, you opening your mouth, uh, or tapping your fingers, you know, if you're responding to a text, God help us, has incredible power to, to build up the church in love, or keep the church Stunted. And I wanted to be really practical uh, beca- uh, practical ways to speak the truth in love, starting at, at what I think might be the most like, basic uh, basic elements, because there's way more. We can make a whole series out of what it looks like to speak the truth in love with, with gospel fluency and how to ask really like, good questions and nurture the work of God in people's lives and create space to, to do, do that work. But I think we have some steps to take before, before we can get that. So I came up with an, with an acronym uh, ask, 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 um, and I'd encourage you to pray, pray about this and see what it might look like for you. And maybe you're crushing it at this or whatever, but I would just con- consider how this might affect our our church family, or wh- what it might be like for you to experience a church family that's living this out if you've if you've uh, uh, engaged with people. The A stands for always respond. Always respond. Period. If it's a question in connecting group, if it's something someone shared just in a conversation after a Sunday gathering, if it's a text, you know, inviting you over for dinner or asking for help, like always respond. Even if it's no, even if it's negative, just say the most true thing. You don't have to have a final answer. You can say, oh, let me check with my spouse, or uh, you know, maybe it's overwhelming what they just shared, and you're like. I'm overwhelmed. That sounds really hard. You know, It's just like, whatever is the most true thing is unbelievable love and grace to, to people when they share or reach out to you. Always respond. Even if you don't have an answer, even if you need time to process, like no one's going to be mad at you, and you're like, wow, I hear you, man. That's a really good question. Can I think about that and get back to you in a, in a couple of days? And then actually, hopefully, get back, get back to them. The A is always respond. If a church family member shares something or reaches out to you, just w- whatever you have in that moment, like, oh, I'm, I'm slammed right now. Can I get back to you next week? Or you know, wh- whatever, just like whatever you have, say the most true thing. It's not a performance. You don't have to be profound. You don't have to have the answer. You don't need to make all the pain go away. Just a response. The S in ask is share your heart. This is similar to say the most true thing. And If someone in your church family asks you uh, to do something or invites you to something um, or says something you have, you feel strongly about, answer honestly and share what you're feeling. Like, how, how, how do you feel if you were to invite someone over and they say, can't tonight, sorry, versus like, hey, I'd love to, but I can't tonight. You know, what about next week? Or... Um, thanks so much for asking, but I just feel zonked. Like, would you pray for me? Work is killing me. You know, like, it, like what, what what would that do to our relationships? We share what's on our heart, whether that's like, <laughs> whether that's like, hey, I'd love to, but I just can't. It's just a scheduling thing. Like, how does that feel if you invite someone over? They're like, hey, it's just a schedule thing. What about ne- tomorrow night? Or you can let people in to what, what is actually going on in your heart, your church family, to actually See what's in your heart, which is like, I feel so depressed right now. I don't know how I could be around people. Like, would you would you pray for me? You know, like, like this this is what this is what uh, builds the body up because now they can speak love to you. They can they, they don't feel rejected now or confused by why, you know, you wh- you just said no, but they can enter into that. Do you see how it's loving to meet the other person part way? How you're sharing yourself it's it takes great courage it can be very scary to put put that out there i'm not saying do this with like every person that ever texts you. i'm talking about church family and also how we grow how we grow in emotional intelligence to be actually state what what is the emotion that i'm feeling or how stuff comes out and people understand us so then we can get to further steps like speaking the truth of the gospel to to each other and lastly the k is keep speaking keep speaking If it goes bad, if you're misunderstood, if you're in a vortex of insecurity after every connecting group or every time you get together, uh, whatever it is, just keep speaking because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you, and we cannot grow unless each part does its work and speaks the truth in love. And I think this shows us that the speaker and the hearer are built up when we try to speak the truth in love because even if you mess up, uh, that's just a, a chance uh, to to get feedback. You're like, hey, I didn't feel loved by that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wanted to love you. T- tell, me, tell me why you didn't feel loved. Tell me how it, it made you feel. The secret to speaking the truth in love is to just do it and then repent if you mess up. Like, We're never going to hit the gong. None of us can like walk the truth and love line perfectly. That's why we need each other. The gong will never go off to where you're ready. We can do this with humility. Hey, would you be open to hearing something that I've noticed? about you or I'm not saying this is right but I experienced that that conversation like this keep asking always respond share your heart and keep speaking because we, just, we, we don't get better unless we practice it unless we move forward and repent when we mess up In humility we can know that we're all babies we're all seeking to build each other up